We are going to uh, dive into our message now, and so to kick things off, I want to ask you, how do you respond to adversity? So when adversity comes your way, how do you respond to that? And you can think about this through a whole bunch of different ways. Often when we think about adversity, we think about bad things, so challenges that come our way. Uh, but you can also think about this in terms of trying something new, so maybe trying a new form of exercise and having to work through that, or trying a new diet and having to work through that, uh, or trying some new spiritual practices. So some of you might say that July was a month of adversity for you as you tried to navigate through what Sabbath looked like and uh, what it means to actually stop and be able to rest and and some of those sorts of things. So pick something that you would say means adversity to you. When that happens, what's your response to it generally? Is it something that you look forward to? Like this is a great opportunity for me to be able to grow and to stretch myself and to be able to discover new things about who I am and about my capacity? Or is it something where you're like, that is a gigantic inconvenience, it's really frustrating, it makes me feel inadequate and incompetent and I don't like it one little bit. I think depending on what it is, we all kind of land in different places. Today, we are continuing our series, which is called No Matter What, where we're digging into the letter to the Philippians uh, to be able to explore what it means to live as kingdom people, no matter the circumstances in our lives. And so we kicked this off last week, and if you weren't around last week, I would encourage you to either uh, head back and have a listen to our podcast, or as we announced last week, we are now streaming on YouTube, uh, so very, very exciting. So uh, you can also go and watch last week's message on YouTube if you would prefer to do that. Uh, but last week we did kick things off and gave a fairly thorough overview about the background to the letter and some stuff that's important for us to hold on to as we make our way through it. And and also kicked off by exploring the theme of gratitude. So what does it mean to practice gratitude no matter what's going on in our lives? But today we want to have a look at what it means to embrace the opportunities that come our way no matter what's happening in our lives and particularly the opportunities that we have to be able to talk about Jesus and to share about the message of Jesus. So if you have uh, the Bible app on your phone, you can open that up and then you can go to the bottom right where it says more and then events and uh, open up our teaching notes there. Um, or if you have your journal, uh, your workbook, you want to just write some things down, we would encourage you one way or another to capture what it is that you sense that Jesus is saying to you so that you can take that into this week and keep talking about it with each other, uh, but also put that into practice. Last week, we also mentioned that we're doing a reading plan throughout the month of August. And uh, so this is uh, something that's available. It was sent out in the weekly email. It's also at the back there. And so uh, if you missed it and you were like, I was going to do that, but I totally forgot, it's okay. Because it's a four-week plan and we're doing a, I can't remember, five or six-week series, one or the other. So you still have time. So uh, the good thing about the letter to the Philippians is it's not very long. And so that means that you can just kind of slowly go through it, but it also means if you've missed out, you can catch up pretty quickly, or you can just do it on week delay, and that's great too. I've really appreciated it this week because I think sometimes we can go through a lot of stuff all at once, and particularly when we do a short reading plan, we're only doing a few verses a day. It gives us an opportunity to really just kind of chew on those verses and to think about them a little bit more and what it is that we've been processing together. So we encourage you to still do that, uh, even if you didn't get started with that this week. 
So we're going to pick things up today in verse 12. And uh, as I mentioned last week, throughout this series, we are going to interchange the word Christ uh, for King Jesus throughout. And a part of the reason for that is we're going to talk a bit more about it. uh, But the idea of being able to remind ourselves about why that phrase King Jesus is really, really important. But it also just helps to capture how many times throughout this letter King Jesus comes up over and over and over again. And the word Christ, sometimes we can just kind of gloss over because we've kind of heard it a lot or it's not quite as meaningful for us. So we wanted to just kind of check ourselves. So we'll have the original text up, um, but we're going to interchange King Jesus for Christ all the way through. So Philippians 1, starting at verse 12. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of King Jesus. So this part of the letter starts with Paul talking about the opportunities that he's had to be able to share about Jesus. And so we want to remind ourselves about the situation that Paul's in as he's writing this letter, that Paul is in prison. Most likely he's in home detention in Rome. And uh, if you want to read that story about how that's all happened, you can read about that in Acts chapter 25 to 28. So you might like to take a few minutes to read that through just to be able to really enter into the experience that Paul is having. And we recognize that Paul was probably allowed to have some visitors while he was in home detention. We know part of this letter is that this amazing guy, Epaphroditus, one of the greatest names ever, uh, comes along on behalf of the Philippians to give Paul a gift. And so uh, part of what we recognize for Paul is that he did have people come and see him, but the majority of the time he would have been very alone. And you can imagine that he would have been very, very frustrated, wishing that he could be out, either connecting with the churches that he'd helped to plant and the people that he loved so much, like the Philippians, uh, or being able to look for new opportunities. We also know that he was very uncertain about what was ahead of him, most likely a trial that was coming where his life would be put on the line. And so you would imagine there was a fair bit of anxiety for him too. And so you would think, given the situation that Paul's in, that he would be entitled to feel sorry for himself. I'm sure none of you would think any of these sorts of thoughts, but if I was Paul, this is maybe some of the stuff that would come into my mind. Are you kidding me, God? Seriously? Are you joking? After everything that I've done for you, after all the sacrifices I've made for you, after all of the people that I've helped to discover you, to help follow you, And yet here I am in prison. And over and over and over again, it's been proven that I am completely innocent. I don't know how many more trials I have to go through where people realize, nope, he's not guilty. The religious leaders, the people who are supposed to represent you, are the ones who've got it in for me the most. Are you kidding me? Why can't you act? Why won't you act? Why won't you do something? Is it because you don't want to or because you're unable to? I don't want to be here. I could be doing an awful lot more good if I was not here. All of the other people that I could be connecting with and yet I'm stuck here in home detention. I wonder whether you've ever felt anything like that or you've ever thought anything along those lines. God, why won't you do something? Why can't you do something? Do I really have to continue to go through what I'm going through? Everything would be so much better if I was just on the other side of this. Or if this thing was resolved, I could have so much of a greater impact for you. 
But that is not at all Paul's mindset. Instead, he's openly looking for opportunities still to be able to talk about Jesus. Okay, God, I guess that you've got me here in this situation for a reason. I recognize that there are people here who I get to meet who would probably in no other circumstance get to hear about you and about your message. So I guess there is a purpose behind this. And over and over again, we see that that's what Paul's heart was. That's what Paul desperately wanted to do, was to look for opportunities to be able to advance the gospel. Remember last week we talked about that word gospel means a proclamation by a king or a ruler that something has changed permanently that affects everyone. So in Paul's time, Caesar would often make gospel proclamations, that's what they were called. For example, he would say that a war had finished. So good news, something has changed permanently that affects everyone. We are not at war anymore. Victory's been won and we're now living at peace. And so the early church, and Paul in particular, adopted that word gospel to say Jesus is a king and he's made a proclamation that everything has changed for us in our relationship with God and that's a permanent change. And so now all of us have the opportunity to embrace that. And so this word gospel encapsulates all of that altogether. And so even in prison... Even in the difficult circumstances that Paul was in, Paul says, Jesus, how can your gospel proclamation be advanced here? How can more people hear that proclamation of what's changed permanently that affects all of us? And we can imagine Paul almost looking forward to every new guard who would come and stand at his door, every shift change to be able to reconnect with the people that he'd started conversations with. What are the opportunities that I've got to talk about why I'm here and to talk about this gospel proclamation? Far from prison dampening the opportunities that Paul had to be able to share about Jesus, it actually amplified a lot of it. And in fact, all of this bad stuff that Paul has been going through means that he had even more opportunities to share about Jesus, given the situation that he's in. Because most people would have expected him to say, it's not fair. This is outrageous. I don't want to be here. And yet Paul looks at it as an opportunity to be able to share about Jesus. And because of his mindset, it has an even more positive effect. And I think that is a really, really crucial thing for us to reflect on. So often we fall into the trap of thinking, if everything would just get sorted out, then I could be so much more effective. If everything would just be fine and my life was all great, then I would be able to share about Jesus in a much, much better way. But in fact, there's so much more power for us to talk about Jesus when we're in the midst of difficult times, when hard things are happening in our lives and we express our genuine faith and our genuine trust in Jesus, even in the midst of difficult things that are happening, there's more power to that. I want you to think for a moment about someone who you're connected with who doesn't have much involvement in a church or doesn't know much about Jesus. So that could be a friend, it could be an extended family member, it could be someone that you work with, someone that you hang out with on a regular basis. I want you to try and bring someone to mind that you know who doesn't have a lot to do with church or a lot to do with Jesus. As you think of that person, I want you to ask yourself, is there any difference in the way in which... I approach challenges and setbacks than the way in which that person does. So just think about someone that you know who doesn't have any version of faith whatsoever. 
and ask yourself, when they encounter setbacks, and when I encounter setbacks, is there any difference in the way in which we interact with things? Because I think for a lot of us, when hard things come our way, we see them as interruptions to our picture of what the good life is supposed to be. And often we end up questioning what it is that we've done to deserve the situation that we find ourselves in, or we end up numbing ourselves to the pain that we're experiencing and the struggles that we're wrestling with. I'll do anything to just distract me from this. I think that's what the vast majority of people around us do when they encounter suffering. But I think for a lot of us, we end up suddenly doing the same thing. So is there an opportunity for us to respond a different way? To be able to recognise that if what we believe is true, then Jesus is actually with us in the midst of what we're going through. Jesus knows exactly what's going on for us. Jesus knows exactly how we're feeling in the midst of all of that. Do we see it as an opportunity to be able to grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus, our connection with Jesus? And even to remind ourselves that the kingdom that Jesus came to bring in is not all just about comfort and ease and a lot of what our Australian culture would tell us that life is all about. I'll be honest, as I have reflected on that this week, I have felt somewhat confronted that maybe some of the reason why I don't have as many opportunities as I would like to be able to talk about Jesus is because maybe the reality is I'm just too comfortable. Maybe there is just not really that much difference between me and the people around us, so particularly our neighbours who live across the street. Maybe that's part of the reason that there aren't the opportunities because my life is not displaying anything that's actually different to what theirs look like. Now, I want to be very, very clear here. I'm not at all saying that we should be asking for challenges or struggles just so that we can share the message of Jesus. Nor am I saying that we should be thrilled about the idea of facing challenges and struggles at all. I'm not saying that whatsoever. It is good to name that there is also power in us being able to celebrate the good things about life, being able to share a great meal with some people that we love dearly, being able to watch a sunset, being able to sit out in the sun this week. Anyone do that? Sit out in the sun on any of those warm days and just be able to soak it up. Being able to watch kids play and being able to hear little kids laugh. There are good things in life which are very much about us being able to draw attention to how good God is. But instead of just resenting the challenges and the struggles that we go through, as I know I so often do, I wonder whether we can look at them as opportunities to go deeper in our faith and our trust of Jesus and to allow those challenges to give us opportunities to then share with the people around us about why Jesus actually matters to us and why there is something different. We're going to come back to that in a couple of minutes when we get close to wrapping up. But Paul also notes that his courage and his passion to share about Jesus in the midst of what he was going through also was an inspiration to other people around him as well. So verse 14, And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Other people are watching Paul, and that's empowered them and emboldened them to be able to say, I also want to tell people about Jesus, because look at what Paul's doing and look at the impact that he's having. And this is a great reminder that being able to share stories is something that's really, really helpful for other people. Sometimes we resist being able to share our stories or the good things that God's doing in our lives, 
partly because we don't want to make it all about ourselves. And that's a very good thing. But when we share our stories, we're actually saying, not how good am I, but how good is Jesus? And that then inspires and encourages other people around us to also say, yes, how good is Jesus? And look at the work that he's doing. And what's really fascinating is that Paul says, even if people have the wrong motives in the way that they share, he just still wants them to keep going. So verses 15 to 19, Paul writes, It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about King Jesus with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about King Jesus. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about King Jesus is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I'll continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of King Jesus helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Now once again, I'll be very honest, I have a little bit of difficulty with what Paul is sharing here because there are a lot of people who I would say, the way in which you're sharing about Jesus is not helpful. So please stop. <laughs> because you're actually doing more damage than you are good. I also struggle when I see people who have ulterior motives who are sharing about Jesus. I'm like, not helping anything. This is all about you. It's not about Jesus. That's not great. You maybe have had the same experience in churches that you've been in or people that you've heard speak at conferences or people that you've seen on TV where you're like, that is not helpful whatsoever. Please stop talking. But Paul says, actually, it's fine. At least they've got the courage to talk about King Jesus. And here's the biggest challenging part. God can use that as well. Even though it's not perfect, even though it's not ideal, God can still use it. I think this is a great reminder to us that things don't have to be ideal in order for us to share. Sometimes we can fall into the trap partly because we look at other people and think, I am not wanting to be like that person at all. So until I've got my language right, until I've got my ability to share about Jesus exactly right, I'm not going to say anything. And Paul is challenging us to say, no, no, just start somewhere. Just talk about what Jesus is doing in your life and trust that God can use that, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not exactly right. Obviously, we want to try and have the right motives and share in appropriate ways. But sometimes we can go too far and we need to just trust that if we share about Jesus, God can use that. Well, Paul continues, he says in verse 20, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for King Jesus as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honour to King Jesus whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for King Jesus and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for King Jesus. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with King Jesus, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you'll have even more reason to take pride in King Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Paul says that he wants to embrace the opportunity that he's got to live no matter what that ends up looking like. And this is the fullest version of no matter what. Whether I live or whether I die, it's all good. Paul says living means living for Jesus. And that's amazing. 
Dying means I get to be with Jesus. And that's amazing. Living versus more living. I can't lose. It's win-win no matter what. And you can imagine, we understand that Paul was probably speaking this out and dictating it and there was someone who was writing it all down. So you can imagine the poor scribe who's trying to keep up with Paul as he says these words. Like, I don't know what's better. Like, I'd kind of like to just leave all this behind because honestly it is becoming a bit frustrating and I'm sick and tired of all this stuff that's going on. So kind of rather go and be with Jesus. But then if I go and be with Jesus and I don't get the opportunity to hang out with other people and to talk about Jesus, so that's good too. But then I am pretty tired and like being able to be with Jesus, that's kind of the ultimate. But then there's all these opportunities, so I don't know. You can see him just wrestling with it. And he ends up landing by saying, there are great opportunities for me to talk to other people about Jesus, which I won't get to do if I'm not here anymore. So I guess that's the winner, and I'll continue to focus on that. It is a remarkable place to get to. Whether I live or whether I die, it's all about Jesus. That's no matter what. And when people reach that place, they often have a massively significant impact on other people because their stories inspire us and challenge us to say, how on earth was someone able to have an impact given the circumstances that they were going through? You might have examples of that that you can think of in your life, people who've inspired you who are like, I can't believe given what they're going through that they have chosen to continue to follow Jesus. Obviously, the biggest example of that is the people who have been martyred for their faith. People who would choose to say, whether I live or die, it doesn't matter. It's all about Jesus. And if I need to give my life up for that, then so be it. One example I was thinking of this week is the story of Corey Ten Boom, who many of you uh, might be aware of. When the Germans invaded the Netherlands in 1940, her family constructed a secret room so that they could hide some of the people uh, who were Jewish refugees. And they had this little buzzer that would alert them uh, that the German security forces were door knocking and so they were able to hide away in there. And it's estimated that Corey's family and the network that they were a part of helped at least 800 Jewish people be able to escape uh, to freedom. They were eventually caught and arrested, and in 1944, they were taken to prison, and 10 days later, Corey's father passed away in prison. When Corey was interrogated, she talked about her faith and her belief that all people were created equal, and that's the reason that she was doing all of the things that she was doing. She'd also been spending significant time working with people who had very significant mental health challenges and again, said the reason why I've been doing that is because everyone is equal in God's eyes. Obviously, the Nazis weren't thrilled about that kind of mindset. And so because of that, her and her sister Betsy were taken to a concentration camp and her sister passed away in the concentration camp a few months later. Corey was released later that year from the concentration camp and actually found out later that that was purely because of an administrative error. And all of the other women who were her age, who were left in the concentration camp, were killed. She returned home and continued to work, particularly with people with disabilities, and advocating for reconciliation as a way of being able to find healing from all of the stuff that had been going on. And then over the decades after that, she travelled very widely and wrote and spoke of her story and her genuine beliefs, and has had a significant impact. And over and over and over again, she did all of this and displayed unbelievable courage because of her trust in Jesus. 
Whether I live or whether I die, I am not going to compromise on this belief that all people are created equal and God cares equally about all of them and she has inspired lots of other people to do the same. The message translation and part of this passage says, Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his prize. Life versus even more life. I can't lose. And Paul then says in verse 27, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about King Jesus. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. Paul finishes off this part of the letter by encouraging the Philippians to embrace the opportunity to live as kingdom citizens, no matter what ends up happening. Paul specifically says, live as citizens of heaven. And sometimes when we think about heaven, we think about clouds and harps and angels with wings and all that sort of thing. But the word heaven in the original uh, text was far more about just the place where God is. It's the easiest way of being able to interpret what heaven looks like. So this is, heaven is the place where God's reign and God's rule is experienced 100% of the time. The kingdom that Jesus came to allow us to experience is experienced without exception at all. And so Paul says, if we believe that the kingdom has come because of Jesus, why would we want to live as citizens of any other kingdom other than Jesus' kingdom? But Paul does take that a step further. And he says, don't just live as citizens, but live as worthy citizens. People who are worthy of the gospel of King Jesus. People who recognize that Jesus has recognize everything that Jesus has done and who make the most of that, not taking it in any way for granted. And then Paul says these very challenging words, and this is where we're going to wrap up. In verse 29, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in King Jesus, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We're in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. This is pretty challenging words. Paul says it's a privilege not just to trust in Jesus, but it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus. And so our last thing to reflect on is whether we see suffering as a punishment or as a privilege. Now again, I'm not at all suggesting that suffering is something that we should desire or that we should yearn for, but I think a lot of us are a long way away from that. The question is, do we see suffering as a punishment? I must have done something wrong in order for me to deserve this. There's something that I should have done or something that I shouldn't have done, and so God is now punishing me because of that. Do we see suffering as a punishment or do we see suffering as an opportunity to show that Jesus is important to me no matter what I'm going through? Even in the midst of my circumstances, I still believe that Jesus is king. I still believe that the kingdom has come. I still believe that the kingdom is available to me, even in the midst of what I'm going through. Whether that's an extended sickness, whether that's injury that we go through, whether that's the loss of a job, missing out on a career opportunity, whether it's going through a tough time in a relationship. Paul says this is a key marker of our trust and our belief in Jesus' kingship.
It's relatively easy for us to trust when things are going well, but it's a privilege for us to grow in our trust when we're going through difficult times. So I want to give us an opportunity to be able to reflect on it. I know there's a lot that we've covered today and uh, there's lots and lots of different things. And so sometimes that can feel a little bit overwhelming and so we want to zoom in and just say, what is one thing that you want to take away and keep thinking about as we move into this week? And so with this question, what opportunities can I embrace this week? I would love you to think specifically about what's ahead of you this week. So the people that you're going to connect with, the spaces that you're going to be in, the things that you're going to spend time doing. What are the opportunities that are in front of you? And what is one thing that you want to just kind of step out in a little bit? It could be about an opportunity to be able to share about Jesus and about why this all matters to us. could be an opportunity to think about the difference that Jesus makes in my life compared to the people around me. It could be an opportunity to remember that no matter what happens, we have life in Jesus, regardless of whether we're here or in the next life. Or it could be an opportunity to think about what it means to live as a kingdom citizen, to keep Jesus as king and to live out kingdom values no matter what. I'd love you to just take a couple of moments to reflect what's one thing that you want to take away into this week and then we'll come back together and pray and wrap up this part of our gathering with a song. Let's pray. Jesus, I recognise that uh, we are a very diverse group of people and that all of us have got significantly different experiences in our lives. And so what we've talked about today impacts us in all sorts of different ways. 
that there are many of us who have experienced very, very difficult things in our lives, significant challenges uh, that we have faced or that we continue to face. I also recognise that there are some of us who live very comfortable lives and where a lot of things haven't happened to us that have been challenging and uh, in some ways we've had a pretty good ride. And so all of us are in different places around that. And what I am so grateful for is that you meet each of us exactly where we're at. That for those of us who are continuing to wrestle with deep questions about what it means to experience suffering, to experience challenges, to experience trauma in our lives, that you are with us. That you don't ask us to just dismiss it, nor do you ask us to just say everything's fine. But we do believe, Jesus, that you are the one who has come to declare that we are still your kingdom people, even in the midst of the difficulties that we face. And so for those of us who are struggling this week, I pray that you would empower us with a renewed belief that though you are King Jesus, the King of the universe, you are also the one who sits down alongside of us and wraps your loving arms around us and says, I understand what it is that you're going through. And for those of us who need to be challenged, for those of us who it's helpful for us to be stretched, we thank you that that's not because of guilt. It's not because we're not good enough or we're not measuring up at the moment. But it is because there is so much more that you want us to be able to experience. And so I pray that you would gently and beautifully convict us about those places where we can just push ourselves a little bit further, where we can embrace some of the inconvenience that comes into our lives and even where we can rewrite some of our beliefs about what life is all about in a way that then gives us the privilege of being able to understand that you are king no matter what happens. And so as we move out into this week, I'm grateful that you go with each one of us and you know exactly what is happening for each one of us and that this week is not about us trying to prove anything to you or trying to prove our worth to you but simply being able to journey with you and to be reminded again that you are King Jesus, that your kingdom has come and is established here. And we have the privilege of being able to explore what that looks like and to invite others to discover it as we move into this week. And so we give you permission to do that wherever we're at, to take us forward in our next steps with you. In your name we pray. Amen.